Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargo, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for Rivals.com. After a one-year absence, March Madness is back. The NCAA tournament is back. This just feels so good to say it. And Wisconsin, for the 21st time in the last 22 tournaments, is involved in the big dance. And they have a tough matchup. And we're going to dive into that matchup against number 8 seed North Carolina here in just a little bit. Happy to tell you that my guest this week is Josh Gosser, the former captain of Wisconsin basketball. He won a ton of games in March. Four Sweet 16 appearances, two Final Fours, a national championship game. Josh knows what it takes to win in the month of March. We're going to talk about some of those great March memories that he has, that you probably have, of Wisconsin's two big Final Four runs not too long ago. What it takes to win in March, the mental capacity, the physicality, and winning games when you're not at your best. Beating North Carolina, Wisconsin and Josh Gosser beat North Carolina on their road to the national championship game six years ago. What does he remember from that game? How much does it take mentally and physically to beat a North Carolina team? Wisconsin needed a big second-half comeback in Los Angeles to knock off the Tar Heels in that game. We're going to talk a little bit about this basketball team, too, this Wisconsin basketball team with Josh. I'm guessing he's sharing some of the same frustrations that you, the listener, have with this Wisconsin team. So I'm anxious to talk to Josh here in just a little bit. This Wisconsin team right now has the potential to go to the Final Four. Okay, now that you stop laughing, I'm serious. This Wisconsin team has all the potential to make a Final Four run. They have senior leadership. They have the ability to hit shots from the outside. They have a a championship pedigree because this team, the core of this team, won a championship a year ago. They know what it takes to win in big situations. This team also can flame out badly on Friday night. This team has not shot the ball well for a prolonged period of time. They have a number of players that are so jump shot happy that they refuse to put their head down and drive to the paint. Three-point shot has been consistent. And for whatever reason, this team has not been able to play a complete 40-minute game probably since Christmas. So Wisconsin Ear is going to put it all together for a magical run that no one saw coming, much like the 2000 team in the Final Four when that team was an eight seed, upset a wand in the second round, or this team is going to get their teeth kicked in by North Carolina because this North Carolina team likes to rebound the heck out of the basketball. It is the best rebounding team in the country. They have 41.3% of their misses that they rebound. They lead the nation offensive rebounding, 15.9 per game, 43.2 total rebounds per game. That latter number makes them gives this North Carolina team at least 40 rebounds per game average for the seventh consecutive season. This North Carolina team is the team that you remember from the last couple times this Wisconsin team played them back in Maui and then that NCAA tournament. They have three players that average 6.8 rebounds or better for the first time since 1970. You look at this Wisconsin team, they don't match up well with good rebounding teams. Think Kofi Coburn of Illinois. Think Hunter Dickinson of Michigan. Think Luca Garza of Iowa. And the amount of rebounds and points in the paint and production at the rim that those teams were able to generate. It's staggering that Wisconsin is not a good matchup. You knew that too as soon as you saw it. You go, oh man, Wisconsin. North Carolina, nine seed. I have no problem with the seed, by the way. I thought Wisconsin probably was in that seven seed range, but when you play in a league as good as the Big Ten that gets two one seeds and two two seeds, the committee has only a limited amount of space to put Wisconsin. And frankly, the Badgers don't deserve 
anything above a nine seed, to be honest with you. I mean, their resume may dictate that, but look how Wisconsin has played as of late. Look who they haven't beaten. They haven't beaten a team above them in the Big Ten standings all year. You get swept by Iowa, swept by Illinois, and look bad in some games too, and not played that well at home. Down the stretch, you only won one game since February 22nd in the Big Ten tournament against Penn State in a game you almost lost after you got stagnant down the stretch and Penn State went on a 20-2 to run and ended up just running out of time. That game goes another minute and a half longer, or maybe even 30 seconds longer. Wisconsin loses that game and has been stuck in Indianapolis for another X amount of days stewing over that loss instead of having to stew over a five-point loss to Iowa, which they were in control and made just one field goal the final nine minutes and 21 seconds. But that was then. This is now Wisconsin has played in the 8-9 game five previous times. They're 4-1 in the matchup. Wisconsin has won 10 of their last 12 opening round NCAA tournament games, holding teams to 57.3 points per game. These are all good numbers until you look at the flip side of things. Roy Williams has never lost a game in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, ever. Mackey Arena, the Badgers are 4-42 all-time there. Yes, all against Purdue, but still... They're 4-42 in the building that they need to win two games in to get to the Sweet 16. And if you beat North Carolina, you're probably going to have to face Baylor, who is North Carolina times five with how good Baylor's been playing, the number two team in the country for the better part of the season, or I should say a top five team for the better part of the season. And you look at, again, North Carolina, they are not a big perimeter shooting team. They're not a great free throw shooting team. You look at their perimeter shooting. Only Kerwin Walton, the freshman, is their best shooter. He's hitting at 41.5% from the perimeter, 56 three-pointers he's made. That's If that mark holds, it would be the highest three-point percentage by a UNC freshman in program history. He is 14 for 45, though, over his last seven games, and he's made just multiple three-pointers in four of those seven. And it's because North Carolina doesn't have any other real perimeter shooters. And so teams have been able to focus in on Walton and take him out of his game. And the reason why they don't have many perimeter shooters is because they have all these big low post players. You have guys like uh, Armando Bacot and Dayron Sharp and Garrison Brooks who just rebound the heck out of the basketball. And you look at the comparisons for, for Wisconsin here. North Carolina lost in Iowa City 93-80 early December. But the Tar Heels secured 47 rebounds and 15 on the offensive glass in that game. And that number should be concerning to Wisconsin, considering Iowa out-rebounded Wisconsin in all three victories this season, including last Friday's Big Ten quarterfinals when the Hawkeyes turned 12 offensive rebounds into eight second-chance points. You're looking for something more recent. In three games in the ACC tournament, the Tar Heels registered 110 points in the paint and turned 61 offensive rebounds into into 62 second-chance points. It's incredible what this team has been able to do. And who do you match up Wisconsin with, with North Carolina? I mean, Wisconsin hasn't played their two bigs, Reavers and Potter, in a game together. Uh, they haven't started together since mid-January. And recently, they haven't been on the court at the same time. Of the almost 1,700 offensive possessions Wisconsin has had this season, Reavers and Power have only played together on just 186 possessions. It's about 11.3%. Of the 10 most efficient lineups Wisconsin has used this season, none include Potter and Reavers on the court together. And now over the last nine games, Reavers and Potter, kind of Reavers starting, Potter coming off the bench, 
Wisconsin is getting outscored by about 1.1 points per game and are three and six in those games. Now, the six losses have come to teams who are top four seeds in the NCAA tournament, but still, Gregard might not have a choice here because Tyler Wall has been your quote-unquote four, even though he's been undersized, and North Carolina will, will terrorize Tyler Wall. I, you just have to see Wisconsin playing a two-forward lineup, and what happens when Potter who's been prone to get into foul trouble, gets in foul trouble, or if he gets in foul trouble, who do you turn to? Aleem Forrest, that could be a low-post player. Ben Carlson and Stephen Carl would be good options, but Carlson has, has only practiced maybe two or three times since December, all coming this week, and Stephen Carl hasn't seen the court yet this season. It's a predicament for the Badgers, and Wisconsin is going to need to shoot the ball well, and they're going to need to make it a low-possession game. North Carolina hasn't played very well against Virginia, and Virginia and Wisconsin are comparable, and Virginia with their low-possession game. Wisconsin has to do the same thing. They have to force turnovers. They have to make North Carolina guard, and they have to have their bigs, like Potter and Reavers, hit some shots from the outside. Potter, you can see doing that. Micah has been shooting the ball fairly well as of late. Reavers has been in a funk for the better part of two months, and so anything you get out of him is going to be a bonus. You just have to think that Wisconsin at some point is going to hit shots. It's kind of like an eye-rolling type statement because you keep hearing it, that the shots are open, that the looks are good, that at some point they're going to start falling. We've been hearing this for about a month and a half or so, and it hasn't happened. So what Wisconsin has to do is they have to generate offense. They can't be stagnant. They can't just rely on the open three-point shot. You need to attack, and you saw that in the first half against Iowa. How many open layups did Wisconsin get at the rim with the pick and roll? Doing different things to make offense work. And then the final nine minutes, Wisconsin just decided to do solo offense and jack up shots, and they weren't going in, and you didn't see Wisconsin attack the rim, and that's why they lost. It's one of these things where Wisconsin, we all know what Wisconsin needs to do. The players know what they need to do. But yet we don't see it done on a consistent basis. We see it in spurts, or we haven't seen it at all. At least in the last four games, we've seen it at least occur with some type of regularity, I want to say. I mean, you get five players in double figures against Purdue. You average about 1.5 points per, per possession in the second half at Iowa. Penn State, you go up 17. Good ball movement against Iowa in the Big Ten tournament. You make it a low possession game. You do some really good things to put yourself in position to win until you kind of implode late. So at least it's there. And this North Carolina team is beatable. I mean, they're just favored by a point and a half, the Tar Heels are. It's one of these games that Wisconsin has should win. They have the ability to win, but they have to make shots. They have to get to the free throw line. You have to get some of these, these bigs in foul trouble. You need to make plays happen. You can't just let it be the Demetri Trice show on offense. And you need other players to step up besides Potter and Trice. Will Brad Davison bring some offense? Can Aleem Ford hit an open jump shot? Can these players just not settle for the open shot and actually extend possessions? Because if they get down there and take an open shot with about 15 seconds on the shot clock and miss it, that's going to open up a transition opportunity for North Carolina. North Carolina has the ability to get out and run. They have been for years. That's the North Carolina team. That's a Roy Williams-style team. So there's not going to be many secrets between these two teams, even though they haven't faced one another uh, since the 2016 Maui Invitational. It's one of these games that Wisconsin can match up with, and it's a team that they can beat. But again, you have to hit outside shots. I personally am picking North Carolina to win for all the reasons I've just said and for what I've seen of this team. The inability to rebound consistently, 
North Carolina's ability to just crush teams on the glass, and the fact that Wisconsin hasn't proven consistently to play a 40-minute game, let alone a 20-minute game. They even struggle in halves. Look at the Penn State game. Slow start, big finish. Second half of the Penn State game, big start, slow finish. Iowa, kind of the same thing. Wisconsin can't sustain momentum even in a half and in a tournament setting against good teams or even teams that are your equal. Wisconsin has failed to capitalize and put teams away. Would I be surprised if Wisconsin won? Yeah, maybe a little bit. I know some team, a lot of people are going to pick Wisconsin to win this matchup. My guess this week probably is going to pick Wisconsin to win this, this matchup. I just have a hard time seeing it. But there's a reason it's called March Madness. And maybe this is the moment for Wisconsin basketball we'll remember 10 years from now, where this team, so wildly inconsistent throughout Big Ten play, gets out of conference play, and then their boatload of seniors, the confidence that this group has, playing probably their last games, puts it all together, hits shots, defends well, and makes plays for 40 minutes, and they can go on a run. They can knock off North Carolina. They upset Baylor and everybody else busting everyone's bracket, and they go on a run to the second week of the tournament. This team can do that, or this team can end the season in a fitting way. Not being able to rebound, not being able to hit shots, not being able to have good ball movement, and not being able to play a complete game and lose in a way that really would fit the narrative for what their 2020-21 season has been. We'll find out on Friday night. You are listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. So when I think Wisconsin basketball in March, I think about Josh Gosser because over his four years on the court, he was 25-9 and nine in the month of March. Now get this, listeners. He was 18-7 and seven in the postseason. 18-7 and seven Josh Gosser was in the postseason. That's a pretty darn impressive number. So when it comes to March Madness and preparing for March, I have to have Josh Gosser on the podcast. Josh, do you, do you remember all 18 of those postseason wins? I mean, can you rattle them off right now without thinking twice? I think I could, for sure. I think I could. And some of those seven, uh, I can certainly, uh, <laughs> you know, rattle off pretty quickly. So, uh, very fortunate, you know, especially watching the past two seasons. Uh, definitely fortunate to all four seasons playing the Sweet 16 or beyond and, you know, be a four-seater higher. So it's pretty cool, you know, looking back on it, uh, all the cool things we accomplished. What's the difference between basketball and November, December, January, and February and basketball in March. There's certainly a sense of urgency to it because I think a lot of seniors know that their career is being done, but I think once March comes, you know that you're about to chase one, two, if not three championships. What what sense did you get that how maybe the intensity gets a little bit different in the final calendar month of the year? Yeah, in terms of the regular season, you know, the standings are kind of set, and if, if you're in the mix, every game, every possession is just amplified. And, and especially when you're older, you know, when you're younger, you're, you're playing for the seniors. So you know there's only you know two home games left for them or whatever it might be. And then when you're older, it's, it's your time where, where you kind of got to enjoy every last moment and soak it all in. And then there's a new season with the Big Ten tournament, and, and then it's like, uh-oh, I, I might only have one game left, two games left. You, you have no idea. So... And then once you get to the NCAA tournament, there's just a different, even the Big Ten tournament, there's just a different buzz. You know, there's a, a different feeling. Uh, yeah. Attention is in the building at all times. There's just 
a lot of stuff that you just feel uh, from an energy standpoint and kind of nerve-wracking, too, in a lot of fun ways. And I think that's one thing that I feel bad for the kids this year. They don't really get to experience that that tension and that um, atmosphere where you can just, like, just feel the feel everything in the building with, with the fans and the environment and just the, the whole city, wherever you're playing. It's just a really cool thing. And, uh, you know, it's hard to explain, but I, I definitely have been able to reflect this year. It's actually have a lot of time at home doing nothing. So, um, but yeah, um, I think all of us are just happy that March is here and we get to watch a tournament. It'll be fun. During quarantine, did you flip on any old Wisconsin basketball games you played in and relive some uh, some good moments, or did you did you kind of <laughs> just stay away from the, the DVR? I did. I, I actually did. Uh, yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, it's, it's been it's kind of the first time in the last decade plus that I've, I've had the chance to just sit back and reflect a little bit and just have some just things slow down. You know, I think when, when you're playing in college. Uh, everything's happening so fast, you're always focusing on the next thing, the next game, the next workout, and then, you know, when I graduated, it was straight to professional basketball, and then it was straight to the real world, and just always been busy, busy with family, friends, work, basketball, and this was kind of the first time I've had a chance to just, like, sit back and just, like, do nothing, and just think, and, yeah, I watched a, watched a few old games, um, even back in high school days, so it was just fun just to, just to stay busy, and and find something to watch and just look at things that you maybe you know, hadn't seen in, in years. So it was, it was actually kind of fun for me. What, what game do you get asked the most about? I mean, you played in, I don't know how many, 100-plus games at Wisconsin. What, what game do you get asked the most about? Is it Wisconsin-Kentucky in 2015, or is there some other ones that come up when you reach out to fans or fans reach out to you? I think it's always Wisconsin-Kentucky, to be honest. I mean, I think that's... I think that's the game everybody remembers. Even if they're not a basketball fan, even if they're the biggest fans, that's just the game that they always seem to bring up. And then um, as that conversation goes, usually Duke gets followed up pretty quickly after that. But, yeah, yeah I, it, you know, that's definitely the one I think that is kind of the, the defining moment uh, of our team and our, you know, group and that season. Um, you know, for me, I don't even know if that's my favorite game ever. There's so many other ones, but... That certainly uh, was a fun moment for sure. I think my favorite game of the postseason that you played in was uh, it's kind of a, a, a 1A and 1B with Kentucky 2. I have two that I enjoy a little bit more than that. I enjoyed the, the win over Oregon at the Bradley Center with how loud that building got. I mean, you guys were down 12 at half, and then you outscored them by 19 in the second half. And just the, the momentum and, and the the excitement of that building kept growing and growing, especially when Ben hit some of those three-pointers that sent you to the, the Sweet 16 and then eventually led to the Final Four. And, and later that year, when you guys beat Arizona in overtime, to get Bo, Coach Ryan, to a Final Four mm-hmm. and to do it in overtime, to do it on a big defensive play, which has really kind of been the calling card of Bo and the program, I think that probably is my 1A, um, and that was kind of the moment that we that the world got introduced to Frank Kaminsky, too, and kind of set the stage for what you guys did in, in 15. Um, what, do you, what do you kind of remember about that run? Because that run maybe caught some people off guard, at least nationally. You guys kind of had that losing streak in the middle of the year that took you out of winning the Big Ten, and, and here you come, and, and you, just, you guys caught fire at the right moment. That's what it takes in March. Yeah, I think those games definitely stand out. That Oregon game, as you mentioned, down 12 at half. 
if I'm not mistaken, I think even before the first media timeout, the second half, we already took the lead. So I think that was like the best <laughs> three-minute stretch that you can possibly play. So uh, that was a really fun one doing it in Milwaukee. And then, yeah, I think the two Arizona games stand out a lot. But, you know, that team, it was, um, you know, it's just weird looking back on it because we were, we were, you know, not all that experienced. That was mm-hmm. Sam and Frank's first year starting ever. Uh, it was Duye's, you know, our bench was Duye, Bronson, and Nigel. It was all three of their first years playing in yep. general. Mm-hmm. It was Nigel and Bronson, our freshman, and I was coming off of an injury. I, I, I didn't play the whole season before, and I was still our most experienced player in terms of minutes and games. So it was just kind of a weird, you know, we didn't know how good we were. We had no idea. You know, I think we, we came into the season thinking that we were all good players, and Frank was probably like our fifth option to start the season just because we didn't know who he was at the time and we kind of know who everyone else was. So it was just funny to see how he just very quickly or somewhere in the middle of the season established himself as, as the go-to guy. So, you know, I don't know, we were just a little, little inexperienced. We weren't all that big. I was, I was playing the three and Sam was the four and Nigel was a backup five. So we were, it was an interesting group, but we just played really well together. We could shoot the ball and we played hard and, um, just found a way to get out at the right time. You're exactly right. So that was definitely a springboard to the next season where we we uh, you know we're legitimately a, a great great team. Yeah, and, and you know it's not that long ago. It's just six years, but it amazes me how much, at least in the Big Ten, things have changed, and that how there's really not a true. One, two, three, four, and five anymore. I mean, a lot of teams are going four guard lineups. I mean, Wisconsin has, I mean, has done two bigs for eons, and now this year they've really kind of gone away from that. Um, you know, part two because of personnel, but part two because that's what other teams in the Big Ten have done, like Maryland, Penn State, so on and so forth. Are you surprised with how quickly the league has kind of shifted away? from these big post-dominated uh, teams to maybe just one solid post player and then a sprinkling of guards and kind of combos mixed in around them? It is weird how quickly the game changed. You're right. I think it's not necessarily even just the league. It's just basketball in general. I mean, I think the Warriors probably started that, you know, five years ago. Yeah. So it's, it's just the way you know, they played. It's the way high school played. High school now, you know, I don't – I think I've seen many guys post up. It's a lot of big guys out in the perimeter, so it's just the way the game's playing, and it's hard to guard. I mean, it's but thinking back to when I was playing, it was always easy to guard teams who had even just two guys who couldn't really shoot the ball. So now you look at all these teams, but you know, Illinois, for example, they got one dominant post, and then four guys around them who can shoot, and that's just hard to guard because you want to be able to double or you know squeeze in on the big guy, but then you're giving up a three and. And then when you add in a guy like Luka Garza, he's down in a post but can also stretch the floor. So that's what always made our teams really good was to have a big who could stretch the floor and, and always have shooters on the, on the court. And now I think every team plays that way. So it's just um, kind of funny to see how it uh, changed so quickly in just a few years. I've talked uh, about this year's Wisconsin team is, is a group that really has struggled to manufacture offense at points, especially when the when the open shot hasn't fallen. And to be honest, it really hasn't since the beginning of January with this team. Looking back at, at the 2015 team, your uh, national runner-up season, you know, in the second round against Oregon, you guys shoot... Uh, 30% from three, but yet you win by seven. Uh, in the Sweet 16, you shoot 33% from three, and yet you win by seven again. Because um, you guys found other ways to 
to make offense. You got to the free throw line 23 times against North Carolina, 29 against Oregon. You got into the paint. You got on the glass. Uh, why do you think that this team this year has struggled to kind of emulate that. They haven't been able to really been aggressive on the glass. They haven't gotten the free throw line a lot, despite having a lot of seniors. And how important is that when things aren't going well and you recognize they're not going well, that you find other ways to generate some type of momentum for your team? Yeah, it has been frustrating. I think I think the biggest reason is, I mean, simply personnel. You look at each individual player, they're all just jump shooters. You know, Demetrius Trice is a, is, a, is a really nice point guard. I really like the way he plays, and, but he doesn't really get to the paint and get to the rim and finish. He's coming off ball screens and, and shoot pull-ups and shoot catching shoots. And Brad Davison has been shooting a lot of jump shots. And, and then, he, you know, lean forward, that's what he is. He's a catch-and-shoot jump shooter. And Micah Potter and Nate Reavers are picking pot big. So just everyone's kind of perimeter jump shooters, and there's not much to rely on for uh, – I'll just go back to Illinois. Like if, if Illinois is struggling shooting the ball, they have one guy who they could just dump it into, and, and you know they're, they're going on a two, three-minute scoring drought. They know who they can go to to just manufacture a bucket or, or get to the line. Same thing with Iowa. Same thing with a lot of these teams. They have a go-to guy or a go-to set or go-to play, and I think on our teams we had that too. I mean, if we missed two or three jump shots in a row, Get the ball, Frank. That's just get the ball inside. Let Frank, you know, our best player, make something happen and and create from there. Have Sam or Nigel in a mismatch. So we always knew what we were going to do, and that's why I think this team lacks a little bit. Is all right. We, we haven't scored in three, four minutes. Uh, who do we go to? What do we do? I don't think they have that identity or that set play that they can rely on, um, like we did, and I think like a lot of the top teams in the country have. Yeah, too. And even after Frank, it was get the ball to Ethan. I mean, Ethan didn't do anything outside like 12 feet, but yet there was that presence there and that he made plays. And it's, I think it's just been hard for Wisconsin because they haven't been able to find really find that rhythm in the low posts. You know, Potter has balanced foul trouble. Nate has kind of battled everything throughout the course of the last couple of weeks. And, and you're right, when you have a jump shooting team that's not hitting jump shots, you need to almost play perfect on the other end, and Wisconsin hasn't done that. And, you know, the test this week, again, we're talking with Josh Gosser, who has won a ton of March games. He knows what he's talking about in terms of March Madness. Uh, Wisconsin, North Carolina on Friday at Mackey Arena. Um, Josh, North Carolina, the game that you guys played against them, it always seems is the same with North Carolina. they got a lot of guys that can pack the paint inside, and you need to beat them on the glass. And you guys did that. You beat them by seven on the glass, and you won by seven. Uh, what do you remember about the way North Carolina played in that game? How did that week of prep go um, before your game in Staples to prepare for a team that you know was going to punch you in the mouth uh, in the low block? Yeah, hard to, hard to emulate and simulate practice. So it was it was a lot of film, and but you can kind of relate to them like Michigan State, not this not this year's Michigan State mm-hmm. team, but the prototypical Michigan State team. They're gonna they're going to make or miss, just jam the ball down the court as fast as they can. Their, their big is going to run straight to the front of the rim, and they're going to try to get it to him. If not, move it around, try to dump it into him, and then they're going to get into their secondary break where they have a little high-low action trying to get the ball in the paint. And if not, you've done your job. Because then from there, they, they run a little high-low offense, maybe a ball screen or two, and, and then they just try to beat you on the glass. So 
first and foremost, getting back on defense, um, taking taking care of their, their first break and then their secondary break, and then ending the possession with a, a rebound. Because they, they don't shoot the ball well. They, they don't shoot the ball. You talk about Wisconsin not shooting it well. We at least have shooters. Um, they don't even quite have that. So they just have a lot of big, strong athletes. And, and and that's what you got to do. And I think it's the same exact type of team this year. Yeah, maybe not as good as years past, but that's North Carolina's identity, and that, that's what they're going to do. Uh, and you definitely got to be tough and and be able to handle that, which I think we're capable of. Uh, and you know what? It, it, it might actually be nice to be able to play Nate Micah together uh, because they're so big, and maybe that'll help them be a little more comfortable getting a rhythm. Um, so who knows? Uh, it should be an exciting matchup for sure. Uh, in, in this kind of matchup, you almost—if uh, I'm Greg Gard, I almost would have to do it because I mean your other option is to play Tyler at the four. And I think that these low post guys in North Carolina will just swallow him up. Uh, I mean, I mean Tyler is, is is growing into a really good defender. I just—I don't think he can match the physicality. And Nate, still in my opinion, is undersized for Big Ten play, but he's got the experience and he probably is Wisconsin's best post defender um, and and you look at this this team this makeup it really comes down to hitting shots I mean I think Wisconsin yeah. can get away with maybe getting beat on the boards I mean North Carolina scores I think 10% of their points off offensive rebounds it, it, it has to be a game that Wisconsin a low possession game that Wisconsin has to shoot probably around 50% to win what's your kind of take on that yeah I think so but at the same time I think we can wear them down though in terms of Stretching their bigs away from the basket, you know. After a while, you know, Micah picking and popping, and they picking and popping. Like at, at some point, their bigs aren't going to be stretching out quite as far. At, at some point in the game, and, and you're right, they're going to get those open shots. And you know, I think the difference in this game is going to be can Micah and or Nate make you know two out of four threes, or you know whatever it might be, just to just to stretch those bigs out and make them uncomfortable. And, it was kind of the same thing when we played them. I mean, I, I don't, people kind of forget. I think we were down 10 and a half against them. And, and it took a, a run of, of a couple three-point shots and, and getting a run going and stretching those bigs out, making them uncomfortable. And uh, eventually, we were the better outside shooting team, and eventually it, it just rose to the top. So I think, you know, that can happen. And it, it's about, for sure, limiting their second-chance points because, you know... It, Carolina's the type of team that if they get a couple offensive rebounds, you know, for example, two or three in one possession and then finish it, I mean, their energy is just going to go sky high. So that's as equally as big as, as a team like us hitting three straight threes just for their energy and their, their uh, on the other end of the court. So, yeah, it'll be a, definitely it's contrasting style of the city. Yeah, and, and North Carolina has not fared that well against Virginia either. I think they've lost seven straight against Virginia, and Virginia has that slower tempo, lower possession game that you guys typically like to do, and, and this team yeah, typically likes to do. Yeah, I think they scored, like, what, what did they score, like 48 against them like, a couple weeks ago or eight weeks ago? Something like that. Well, you, you, yeah. you, you beat Virginia like 49-38 one year, too, <laughs> when the, early in your career. Yeah, I think I was, I, I was the leading scorer in that entire game. I took two shots. Yeah, so <laughs> both teams. But they're like seventy-eight <laughs> players. <laughs> you, you also look at that game. I mean, I mean, you're right. You you guys need a nine. I think it was nineteen-seven to come back. Um, you you shot fifty-eight percent in the second half, something like that. So you hit shots, which was big. You made some big defensive stands. Sam Decker got himself a lot of money that weekend with how he played against UNC <laughs> and Arizona. 
But two, I mean, you played forty minutes. I, you had a team. I look back. You had you played the most minutes of anyone on the court that day. Forty minutes, four assists, no turnovers, six points. That's a pretty good stat line for you. Yeah, that's, that's pretty normal. I think. Uh, well, I was on the court so much because I was guarding Marcus Page the whole game, and uh, yep. I actually think I remember I shut him down pretty well until the last forty seconds. He had back-to-back threes. But other than that, we did a really good job on him. Uh, you know, and going into that game, I knew he was the one guy I think who could really beat us from the perimeter. Otherwise, it was a lot of transition and rebounding and dunking. So for for me, I know if I did a good job, Marcus Page would have a good chance for winning, and I think it played out that way. Yeah, Paige had 37 minutes, 12 points, needed 11 shots to get there, so you did accomplish your goal. Um, Yeah, I think eight of those points in the last minute. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, How often did you get nervous in March in one of these tournament settings? Did did it happen often for you, or were you pretty much always kind of locked in to what you needed to do that really didn't hit you until uh, the game was over and then the results was the result? Uh, Every game. Mm-hmm. Every game, I I think nervous is, is a good thing. I mean, it's a and, you know, you, you want to do well. And it wasn't a bad nervous, I don't think. Uh, I think as a freshman, I was probably maybe a bad nervous, like a, a little scared, tentative nervous. But as you get older, uh, it's more of an exciting exciting thing. Even, you know, playing Kentucky, you're playing Duke. Like, it was more of just, a, you're just super excited and just antsy uh, to get out there and play and um, have a sense of confidence. So, yeah, like I said, that that's the feeling that's different. It's just that, that nervous energy and that tension that you can just feel in the locker room, running out of the tunnel and, and the whole environment that, that makes it fun. And I think it's going to be almost missing a little bit this, this year, um, you know, because of that. And I don't know, it's just, it's just a weird thing where they're, they're locked in quarantine and kind of can't really do anything. So if you lose, you're obviously super upset, but you're also like, Oh, at least I get to go live another life. So yeah. I don't know. It's just gonna, it just feels different. I don't know. I, I can't imagine it. Yeah, they've been they've been stuck in the hotel room since uh, a week ago uh, Wednesday for the Big Ten tournament. They haven't left, and so I I, I I can feel that these guys are probably getting antsy. And you know, I, I if they don't play well on Friday, I mean, there, there's no chance that they'll ever will play well because obviously their season will be done. But it's it's one of these things where. They, it's the same kind of rhetoric from them to a degree in that this is our last chance, got to do this, got to do this. And they they haven't just for whatever reason just quite got over that hump yet. Even uh, the win against Penn State they couldn't really enjoy because a 17-point lead yeah. got down to one. And they needed that felt a, worse than a win. That felt worse than a loss, actually. <laughs> yeah, in a way. And so um, if you're filling out a bracket, Josh, I don't know if you're filling out a bracket or not this year, how, how far would you put Wisconsin? Would you Would you – have them win this game and then succumb to the mighty Baylor Bears? Um, or, or do you think that this is going to be a, a quick uh, trip to Mackey Arena for them? Uh, I, I do think they can beat North Carolina. I have, have that in my bracket. Um, okay. Definitely think that they should. I, I, I thought they should win many games, but I think they should with their personnel and the way we play. I, I, there's no reason why we can't win, win this game. and Like you said, I just... I feel like they're still due <laughs> to kind of get over yeah. the hump. But they're running out of time. I don't know why. I've just like kept the faith and kept feeling good. It's never happened yet. But I still just think with, with in March, I mean, experience is, is, is huge. And they have experience. I guess they also don't because none of these guys have won an NCAA tournament game, I don't think. So it's, nope, you're correct. It's a, it's, a mix, it's a mix of both. But I don't know. I think, I think they... There's no 
reason why there can't be North Carolina. Baylor's a little different story. I think Baylor's guards are just, you know, elite, and, and that's going to be a tough matchup. But if you can somehow get past this weekend, I mean, if you can somehow get this through this weekend, there's not much else that scares you. I mean, you got Ohio State in the lead eight, but, you know, the four or fives in our region, I don't personally think are, are all that great um, and very beatable. So, uh, I think a lot of people were a little upset with our draw, but in my opinion, they deserved it. You know, they, they deserve to play North Carolina and then Baylor next. Yeah. They sound the way the season played out. So, you can't be mad at the draw. It's just, it's what they deserved. And, and I think that you get what you deserve. So, but now is the time to kind of put it together in and, and, you know, a one-game setting. I mean, there's no way, this, there's no reason this team couldn't beat anybody. I mean, they can beat anybody in the field. Uh, the problem is they could also lose to 16 seed, you know, based on mm-hmm. some of the ways that we've also played. So uh, it's really hard to predict this team. Um, but me personally, I still have some confidence in them. I, I think... You know, I think they got to be due for a 40-minute game. I mean, they've shown signs of life here over the last couple of weeks. I thought they showed some signs of life at Purdue. They put five players in double figures. They didn't shoot the ball well, but they had better ball movement. The game in Iowa City was a game that they probably should have won um, and didn't for a variety of reasons. You know, you, you probably should have beat Iowa again, the Big Ten tournament. So, I mean, at least we're seeing better Wisconsin basketball than we had in maybe the the month prior to it, so that's encouraging. And I'm kind of with you. I can I can see them winning this game. I can easily see them getting blown out, too. It is in Mackey Arena, after all, and you know, we all know how much Mackey Arena sucks um, for the Wisconsin program. But it's, it's nice not having Purdue on the other side, but yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you can't go nine minutes and thirty seconds without scoring a basket. Exactly. <laughs> like, and and against Iowa, I mean, we had three field goals in the entire second half. Yeah. And or something like that. And uh, other than Meach, it was other than Meach. Right. You know, we had two field goals in the whole second half. Yeah, I know what you meant. And it, it, so it's just like if one guy's only scoring any, any of your buckets in the final sixteen minutes of the game. How, how can you win? Especially, you know, I was better defensively, but they're not—they're not that great defensively. So I don't know. It's just one of those things where it's, it's just been frustrating. I think the biggest thing that I saw that I thought changed against Penn State was just shot selection. That's been the frustrating part for me all season. Has been this team's shot selection. It just feels like any time a guy, any player, has a sliver of of you know, ounce of, of space, they kind of shoot it. They, even early in the shot clock, it's not a great shot. And You know, there's some games where Brad's taking 10 shots in the, in, in the first half, and Meech is taking one. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, or Aline Ford's taking five shots in, in a half. And uh, it just, it's nice to have a little more balance and just keep moving the ball a little bit till you get a really good one. And I saw that more against Penn State when some guy would cut to the lane and get it. It wasn't just, you know, taking four dribbles, trying to get an angle, and if it wasn't there, you were still shooting it. And it was a little more movement, trying to trying to get a really good one. And that, to me, has been just an interesting thing, is, is, is just guys, you know, taking ill-advised shots at times. Because um, they're all equal. I feel like all five guys in the corner are equal, so... If you just keep moving it, you know, for, for 20, 30 seconds, you, you could probably get a better one. And I, I hope we see that against North Carolina because that's, that's a big part of playing them 
because they pressure you so much, they're trying to get out. They don't want to guard for 25-30 seconds. So I think that's going to be a, a big component of the game. Yeah, I mean, just because you're open doesn't mean it's a good shot. I think we've seen players kind of rush at times this year, especially late. And I, I thought, like you mentioned, the ball movement was a lot better against Penn State. It was also better in the first half against Iowa. I mean, how many times did we see the pick-and-roll work where a player had a wide-open lane to the rim and finished with a dunk um, and, yeah. and really did some good things? And I think defensively they've been better too, but... You're right, just shot selection. Um, you know, to only have one field goal to final nine and a half minutes is just kind of mind-boggling when it's Iowa. And I was not that great defensively under Fran McCaffrey. They, they never have been. They probably never will be. And just to not be able to find that type of production, I think, is maddening for a lot of people. And, you know, you, you bring up a lot of good points. And I think that this, like I said before, this, this Wisconsin team, we know they can shoot well. We, we've seen them do it. We've seen them do it in spurts. But just the fact that they haven't put together 40 minutes against anyone leads me to believe that either they are waiting to do it and know they have it in them, or it just, they absolutely, like I said on this podcast a couple weeks ago, they sold, they made a deal with the devil to win the Big Ten last year and have a deep <laughs> run in the tournament, and then this year be damned. We don't care what happens. And you know, COVID, COVID took it away from them. COVID took away their national championship last year. Yeah, I think the yeah, there's been a lot that's been frustrating to me. It's been the I don't know the front runner mindset almost. In these games, you can't just be you know when we were beating Penn State or up by 16, guys were just jumping around, chest bumping each other, playing with energy. Like there was just like a different feeling. Obviously, there's going to be when you're going up a run, but to go from that to just like sitting on your hands and, and, and just, like, folding, there's got to be a little less of a discrepancy there. And mm-hmm. Especially in March and in these you know, one-and-done games, you, you can't just be showing that energy and positivity when you're going on a 22-2 run. <laughs> you know, you, you can't just have that front-runner mindset, and I think that's that's what this team has done. Is they, so then the, the holes they get are just a little, little deeper. The, you know, the runs the other team goes on is, is a little longer than it should be just because they can't quite just, like, stop the bleeding. They're waiting for someone to do it, and and it takes a Demetrius jump shot to do it. And, you know, so it's been a little frustrating from that way. So I, I hope, you know, they have that a little more toughness and, and sense of urgency knowing that it's a one-and-done here to, to kind of limit those big runs from their team. Who's your fun- <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to write a post game story where we're where I'm I'm talking about you know good shot selection and balance and hey they they won a game in, in which they weren't supposed to win and now you get you know, get a chance to play with house money and, and maybe take down Baylor. But uh, who's your yeah? Fun- I think I've, I've I've noticed it this year more than ever just because I've been at home watching games more. Like I, I feel like every every couple minutes there's a little thing that comes up on the scoreboard like a little bug, you know. No field goals in the last four and a half minutes, or you know, <laughs> one two point score. It's just like it seems like that happens every every half, multiple times, and it's like wow, you just almost don't realize it. But it, it, it's really been amplified for some reason. <laughs> who's your, who's your final four this year? Uh, outside of Wisconsin, uh, <laughs> no, I got Gonzaga, Texas, uh, Baylor, and Illinois. So kind of chalky, but I got some upsets early. And, I've I've been on Illinois all year, even before they kind of made the run here, and it's it's hard to go against Gonzaga. So 
Um, it seems like there's been those top group of teams and then kind of everyone else below them. So kind of stick with that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Gonzaga is going to be stopped. Um, I mean, and, and you always, I always hate picking the, the perennial favorite, the one that the betting favorite everyone's picking against. But, man, they they just look so good. And they look – and they have an easy draw, too. I don't think they're really going to be tested until maybe the Elite Eight, if that. Yeah, I, so, think, I think even the Final Four, yeah. I think they got a really nice draw. Like I said before, they, they deserved that draw that they got because of the way they played all year. So that's that's part of it. So, yeah, it's hard to bet against them, especially just because they're at, even Baylor, I mean, that they have not been playing great as of late. And Michigan's out with Isaiah Livers. That's, that's tough. And there's a lot of question marks. Yeah, that changes, their, that changes the whole makeup of their team, in my opinion. I thought Michigan could be a Final Four team until that. That injury and, and he's out indefinitely, and I don't, I can't see him participating anytime soon. Um, and I think that's yeah. really going to change the entire mindset of the team. I'm surprised they got a one because of it. I thought maybe the injury would have dropped them to a two, and that would have moved Alabama up um, into the one line. Alabama's have Nate Oates um, having a really good year uh, with the Crimson Tide. They could be sneaky good too in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, Isaiah Lemmer is just, you know, throw the numbers aside whenever he averages. I mean, he's kind of the heart and soul of that team and the, and the leader and the, the go-to guy that they look to in situations. So I think that's a bigger component that's just hard to replace this late in the season. So I think it's going to catch up to him at some point, whether, you know, I actually have Blues and Dallas in the second round, but it, at some point it's probably going to catch up to him um, and when it's all said and done. Josh Gosser, he won 18 tournament games. He also won twice at Mackey Arena. Not too many Wisconsin Badgers can say that since Wisconsin's 4-42 and all-time at Mackey Arena. But they've always played Purdue. They're playing North Carolina on Friday. Um, Josh, good to talk to you. Good luck with your Final Four. Uh, always a pleasure um, reliving memory lane with you. Thank you. That, again, is Josh Gosser. And I should mention, too, if you uh, want to attend a Josh Gosser basketball camp, or get trained by Josh Gosser in a small group or individual workouts, give him an email at jgossercamps at gmail.com. Follow him on Twitter at jpgosser21 or jgosserhoops. Um, every team needs a Josh Gosser, without question. I mean, every team can get your big scores and stuff like that, but you know, Josh played the right way, and he played with energy. He played with a tenacity and just a great offensive and defensive player. Didn't score a lot, as you heard by some of those numbers, but he did his job, and he did it well. And you could tell how much he meant to the team because the year that he didn't play when he was recovering from the ACL, Wisconsin struggled for the better part of the second half of the season. Remember that conversation, if you listened, uh, with Jared Berggren uh, just uh, last week on shooting struggles, that his senior season, Berggren's senior year, that was the year that Gosser didn't play. And Wisconsin was eliminated in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You have Gosser on your team, that type of personality. His record shows you can win in March. And if Gosser had any eligibility left, Greg Gard certainly would, could use him against North Carolina and Mackey Arena. Wisconsin needs that Josh Gosser type personality. They need someone to have that, that ability to make plays happen when things aren't going right. And I, Sally, that's been one of the big uh faults of this Wisconsin team is they don't have someone with that that ability to create and ability to get in people's faces and make plays happen. Maybe though Wisconsin can surprise us at Mackey Arena on Friday night and get a rare Mackey Arena win. For all the latest on Wisconsin football basketball recruiting, log on to badgerblitz.com. 
Follow me on Twitter at the Badger Nation and follow Badger Blitz on Twitter at Badger underscore Blitz. Plenty of coverage this weekend with Wisconsin's NCAA tournament run. We're going to talk to you next week about Wisconsin basketball going to the Sweet 16 or recapping a, a lost, disappointing season finally coming to an end and shifting our focus to spring football. Anyway, we're going to have a show next week. I thank you always for downloading and listening. Looking forward to talking to you next week here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast.